Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for another exciting podcast. Today, we're discussing how 5G is driving the need for a hyper-converged infrastructure at the edge. Today, I'm excited to have with me Joe Speed, who's the head of edge at Ampere Computing. Those of you who are not familiar with Ampere Computing, it's an American fabulous semiconductor company based in Santa Clara. They develop cloud-native server microprocessors. They have an amazing processor called the Ampere Ultra Max. It's a 128-core cloud-native processor that has the lowest power consumption and gives you the greatest performance. It's being used in 5G transportation and other 5G edge segments. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm great. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Mondo. Thanks a lot for joining us today. There's a really exciting topic here. Uh, we're relating 5G and how that uh, relates to hyper-converged infrastructure. So you can't go many places today without hearing about 5G. It's revolutionizing the world. Most people are familiar with 5G because of their cell phones or mobile broadbands. But I think people are less familiar with 5G and how it's revolutionizing industry 4.0 and also the Internet of Things, the small devices that produce data that can travel long distances. So how is 5G enabling new service offerings? Yeah, so there, there's a few things going on there. You know, if you look at some of the alphabet soup, the acronyms around this, the enhanced mobile broadband, the EMBB, ultra reliable low latency communications, URL, LLC, uh, massive machine type connectivity. You know, if you kind of dissect what this really means for the kinds of applications you can do, you get more bandwidth, you're able to have lower latency, and you're able to have more things connected. And what that does is it actually opens up the opportunity for new kinds of applications, um, a whole new class of applications, and things that, applications that frankly were really not possible uh, prior to 5G. And it's these new kinds of applications and all the things that that brings that's uh, rather exciting to me. Interesting. Yeah, I briefly mentioned IoT earlier, the Internet of Things. We, we all have devices now, such as our Amazon Alexa, even our treadmills, our uh, exercise equipment, little personal devices which transmit data. Uh, it's said by 2025, there's going to be 30 billion IoT devices worldwide generating unbelievable amounts of data. Can you explain to us what IoT is, the concept of it, and what can be learned from the data these devices will produce? Yeah, so IoT, Internet of Things, is a term that got foisted on us in the community by Gartner and the press, the media. Uh, it's more properly known as machine to machine. And it's think of it as the ability for things, for devices to be able to discover one another and interact with one another. And uh, IoT, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of thinking of IoT these days as, because of the the nomenclature as oh it's on ramp to the cloud but there's actually a lot of value in just within the local like proximal iot of things discovering and working with one another working with things that are in the same um physical proximity that's interesting i, I went to a demonstration a short while ago where we saw these uh robot swarms on a factory floor mm -hmm. and they're all 
communicating with each other at the same time they're giving uh, uh, each other different tasks to uh, to do things in the factory, whether it's getting getting some some tools, whether it's uh, getting uh, information from some office to another. It was fascinating how the coordination from these devices was happening so seamlessly. I've never seen anything like that before. So now to our topic of hyperconvergence. Uh, in layman's terms, can you help us understand what that is? <laughs> So, you know, Wikipedia has got a nice little blurb on that, um, but I'll kind of pick it apart for you. So they talk about hyperconverged infrastructure is a software defined IT infrastructure that virtualizes all of the elements of conventional hardware defined systems. Hyperconverged infrastructure includes at a minimum virtualized computing, software defined storage, virtualized networking, and typically runs on off the shelf servers. Uh, so there's a few key things there. One is software defined. Okay, that that's really the underpinnings of this is, you know, and there's an analogy in automotive. So in automotive, every discrete function in the vehicle was a dedicated piece of hardware. Okay, so a dedicated microcontroller, MCU or microprocessor, ECU. And what's happening is all of these functions are becoming uh, written in software and then collapsing into uh, a few larger, more powerful computers. And we see that's what's happening in so many spaces. It's happening in robotics, it's happening in infrastructure, smart city manufacturing, uh, and within the 5G network. And so if you look at the network and uh, what's going on there, you've got the software-defined radio, um, the uh, ORAN with the, uh, software-defined networking, all of these kinds of things, and being able to collapse all of these discrete functions into uh, a piece of hardware or a stack of hardware, um, and being able to add new capabilities over time. It, it, it's really interesting, the kind of flexibility that that brings. That's interesting. I, I guess that really... Uh highlights what you do at, at Ampere Computing, your company, with the number of cores you have that really facilitates the high degree of virtualization, the containerization, and the open compute. And is that what's really driving hyperconvergence, these uh, advances in processor technology on a single die that you can do so much on and incorporate these different parts of networking and storage? So that is, that's certainly part of it is, you know, so for us, we're birthed in the cloud, cloud native processor. It's all about how do you provide very dense, efficient compute? And, you know, the company, we set out to tackle uh, a set of problems and one of which is just uh, sustainability, right? Like, you know, if the processors are not dense, if they're too power hungry, you need too many racks, too many data centers. It's bad for the environment, for sustainability, for carbon footprint, all of these kinds of things. Okay. And so we really focus on developing these processors where you can pack a lot of compute per socket and a lot of sockets per rack and have all of that uh, be even less than the current kind of energy envelope for these racks. And, you know, in the cloud game, you look at some of our customers, you know, Google, Microsoft, Oracle, uh, Hetzner, Equinox, um, some of these folks on the cloud side, they sell compute, right? So it's like, you know, you take a processor and you imagine you're taking each of these cores and selling them to different customers. And so how do you virtualize that? How do you secure it, okay? 
all of these kinds of things. So these are things we were very focused on. Well, it turns out the work we've done there actually lends itself to these things at the edge and you know, core network, 5G infrastructure, all these other things. Because what you're able to do is pack a lot of different functions together, but isolate them in VMs, deploy them using containers, and have this freedom of interference so that you know one network function, the demands of it are not interfering with the performance of other network functions. That's uh, that's that's really amazing. Now you brought up the network edge. It's a perfect segue into the uh, the next question. With so much data being produced, uh, an enormous amount of data from robotics, machine to machine, uh, Internet of Things, all this data, you need to move your infrastructure much closer to where the data is being generated to avoid any latencies, to avoid any throughput issues. So how can hyperconverged infrastructure, what's the mechanism to deploy it at the edge and use it at the multi-access edge computing? Yeah, so... You know, you touch on something really interesting there, which is uh, the edge. The reason the edge has always fascinated me is, you know, it exists out there in the real world, right? Like it's it's where the people are. It's where the things are. It's where things happen. OK, so that's where data gets created. It's where events happen. It's where data gets created. And. You know, AD link, like the the formation of AD link is, you know, A to D, analog to digital. Like it was really all about AD link had developed these, you know, these um, uh, analog to digital uh, models, data acquisition modules, and realized like, oh, we need the compute right there to process it as the data is being generated, and with the hyperconverged, you know, you have this same kind of thing where like with 5G, a lot of people think of 5G as, oh, I just have a faster on-ramp to the cloud. And that's true. I mean, that 5G will definitely drive a lot of workload to the cloud. But what it also does is because of the bandwidth and because of the late, low latency, it is demand creating demand for compute that's physically closer to these devices to where the events are occurring. And whether you're talking about, you know, with the mobile operator or private 5G on-prem or any of these kinds of things, some of the dynamics are the same. And so with the hyperconverged infrastructure, the fact that I can have, you know, my software-defined radio, software-defined networking, storage, all these other functions, well, I can also have compute. And I have can have compute that's for my dedicated applications. I can have compute that I can sell. I can rent it out. So you can start to do things like, you know, Pokemon Go, right? Like it's an older example, but you know, actually like how do I move the compute, like the game mechanics closer to, you know, if there's 20 people in a park, how do I move the compute closer to where they are so they get this better experience? Hmm. And that's that's really interesting. How, how do you, you're saying as a service, so I'm envisioning this infrastructure at the edge, the edge being close to where that data is being generated. How then does the compute or what what orchestrates these services? Let's say someone suddenly is demanding a tremendous amount more bandwidth. How is that getting orchestrated, those services being delivered on the fly, if you will, or at real time to meet the compute storage and, and networking demands of those devices that come on and off uh, the network edge and demand uh, the, the, the scalability? Yeah, so... 
for this, you know, there's some people that really specialize in it. I dare say it's above my pay grade. Uh, there's some people who live and breathe these things. But when you have it virtualized, I think the combination of, you know, VMs, containers, um, orchestration, right, Kubernetes, uh, OpenShift, these things, and having uh, very dense energy efficient compute you know, it allows you to pack more compute into a physically small space, right? Like how much compute can I fit into a shoebox? How much compute can I fit in something the size of a dorm fridge? And the uh, and then the, the power efficiency, right? And that's also, it goes hand in hand. Like I can have more dense compute, not just because I have more cores, but because they're efficient. And if it's efficient, I generate less heat. And if I generate less heat, I can pack more of them together into a physically small space. And, uh, you know, and that's how you see things like AdiLink makes this clever little thing that's the size of an iPad mini, and it's 128 cores and up to 768 gig of RAM, and you hold it in your hand, right? So, uh, so that's that's definitely, you know, some of the building blocks that, enable this is is taking all this work that was done around how do you pack more compute per rack in the data center and then figuring out okay how do i use that to then put more compute in the mech hanging off a tower you know in a facility on the factory floor all of these things Right. It is, sounds like a winning scenario you can reduce the carbon footprint you can reduce the energy required to cooling it and get the uh, the uh, the services and the scalability you're looking for. C can you tell us about some interesting use cases? Yeah, the you know I I, I love cars. <laughs> Car cars to me are a lot of fun, and uh, so I've spent a lot of time um, building various concept, autonomous, whatever. And uh, and so you know the like one of the ones I was helping this company Halo Car. Um, they do a uh, it's think, think it's like rental car, but with, you know, like Uber Lyft convenience. So you step off the plane at McLaren airport in Las Vegas, you pull out the app and a car rolls up to the curb and it's driverless. There's nobody in it and you hop in the car and then you drive it away. Right. Um, and that's all enabled by 5g. And so we took the halo car out to the Las Vegas motor speedway and, you know, it's outfitted with uh, 80 link computers and had it be the pace car for the 80 link computer powered Indy Autonomous Challenge race cars. Um, this was at CES uh, last year. And we had this thing getting up to, I think, 90, 95 miles an hour doing laps of the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And it's this little, you know, Hyundai EV SUV with no human in the car. There is a human. He's not in the car. The human is in a driving simulator. So think something you'd use for like your F1 racing game. And he's there in the building trackside. And all of this is over the 5G. So you've got six cameras in the vehicle. All those video streams are getting encoded and coming over the 5G and then displayed in this wraparound simulator and then he is driving and all of that so you know hand on the wheel foot on the pedal and all of that is getting transmitted back to the vehicle to the drive-by-wire system and you know so it's 
it it's not AI. It's not autonomous driving. There is a human, but it's this low latency, reliable teleoperation, and that's something you really could not do without the bandwidth and the and the reliability and the uh, low latency of 5G. Uh, so that's one. Uh, another one that's fun, um, and it didn't use 5G, but it's analogous, is at Narita Airport, um, our friends at Will, Panasonic Automotive, uh, doing something interesting around autonomous wheelchairs. And in that case, what you have is all of the sensors are in the ceiling, the compute is in a wiring closet, and the wheelchair is being teleoperated, remotely driven uh, through the facility. And you know, it's I love these tech for good, right? Um, things that help people, and that's one that really uh, impressed me. That that is really cool. I mean, I I can see how five G, the advent of five G, really does facilitate those because previous iterations, I guess, didn't have the bandwidth or the low latency that made those things possible. Uh, thank you for those examples. That was uh, very interesting. Now, speaking of 5G and HCI, when can we expect these rollouts to occur? Are they already occurring? Is there a timeline for these? It, it's it's already occurring. Uh, I, I too often quote him, but William Gibson, the paraphrase, said, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And, the, you know, that's really a general thing. Like anything we talk about, for the most part, these things already exist and are used and are in production somewhere, just not everywhere. Uh, so the hyperconverged infrastructure, you see that in some of the private 5G. So things like, uh, you know, mining facilities and other kinds of um, campus applications uh, where they have dedicated. Uh, it's it's happening with the mobile operators and getting rolled out. Um, and it's really the basis of much of what you'll see at Mobile World Congress here later on this month in Barcelona. All right. Wow. That's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, th this was an absolutely fabulous discussion. It's it's really nice to understand how the innovations being done at uh, Ampere Computing, the amount of core density you have on those processors is really helping drive this hyper-converged infrastructure. Uh, amazing technology. Well, thank you very much, Joe. We uh, Hope you enjoyed this podcast today on 5G and hyperconverged infrastructure. Uh, you know, we welcome your your comments, and I want to thank my special guest, Joe Speed. Joe, I hope we get another chance to do something like this again. Always a pleasure, anytime. All right, that ends our podcast for today, and uh, thank you. Thank you.